the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, greetings. Good afternoon to you. Thanks for coming along here. It's a, it's a weird snowy day out mm. there. Yeah, it feels like winter finally, doesn't Ugh. it? <laughs> Man. It does, yeah. Yeah. What's going on with you, Kath? Good to see you. 9.07 p.m. last night, I realized that I'd forgotten oh. to turn the TV on. Well, actually, I had the TV on, but I was watching the Pens game, which yeah. is why I'm wearing the Pens outfit today, because they were awesome. They were awesome, yeah. Uh, anyway, all of a sudden, I, oh my gosh, I forgot to watch the president. So I had to go back, go to YouTube. Were you TiVoing it? And watch it. Well, no, I didn't even think about oh, okay. it. Okay. I'm... I thought about it obviously when we were doing the show, and then in the you know intervening three hours, I'd forgotten. So I went back and watched it, and then got to watch Chuck and Nance. Yeah, here's the deal. You know why people like Hollywood? Because they don't want to look at regular people. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, none of us. I no. mean, us regular folk. Okay, we're fine on a day to day basis, but in living color on the big screen in HD, whether it's the president or Pelosi or Schumer, I mean, all that you go, holy smokes, what's going on there, ladies and okay, gentlemen? Okay, first question. Woo. Did Trump say anything that surprised you? No, I, I believe that you know whoever crafted the speech, they were very locked down and secure with the figures, mm-hmm. and uh, I expected a, a quick pushback from the networks as they fact checked. But quite honestly, as they fact checked, there wasn't a whole lot there that you could wiggle on. There just wasn't, and you know I, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I felt like. I mean, I don't think any of us are going to say that whether you love Trump or, or dislike Trump, even those who, of you who love him excessively are not going to say he's the best speechmaker because that's just not his thing. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. That's okay. It's but a, I was happy for the teleprompter. Yeah, speechmaking doesn't have to be everybody's thing. However, I mean, it wasn't the best delivery. I think we can probably all agree on that. He's I, not a thespian. No, but I did think that when he got started talking about the different personal stories, you know, from different states – you know, he went, this happened in Georgia. This happened in Maryland. Right. This happened. I really felt like he kicked into another gear where it really did seem heartfelt. And I felt like, I said this yesterday, I think it was a winner for him. The speech last night. Yep. Yeah, I think it was a winner. Now, look, I would never call the president heartfelt under any circumstances. That's just not in his empathy and compassion. That's not in his DNA. It just isn't. Right. I mean, he's pretty blunt, for lack of a better word. He is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, when he, but, but I wasn't looking for but, that. But when he said, you, if, you know, all, all these wealthy politicians who build walls around their homes, you can't argue with that point. <laughs> right. Your head and they go, don't they yeah. don't do it because they hate the people on the outside. They do it because they love the people on the inside. As soon as he said that, I was like, zing. Yeah. I'm t- he was not going for his supporters who are already behind him. He wasn't going for his haters who have already decided no matter what he does, they're going to hate him. He was going for the middle. And I feel like a lot of people in the middle probably heard that and said, oh, yeah. 
Okay, plus all the talk about drug trafficking. And every community in America is, some more than others, absolutely afflicted by heroin and fentanyl. And when he's talking about the amount of those drugs coming across the southern border, don't you think the average American is saying, wait a minute? Yeah. Now, if you want to fact check, right, because they jumped on that right away. Oh, so what about that? I mean, are the you can't pin the opioid deaths on what's coming across the border. There's, he wasn't talking about opioids, no. though. But, you know, there's heroin, of course. You know, there's fentanyl, of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, do you, you know, the thing that struck out that st- stuck out to me the most is when he said that the border is this is a crisis of the heart and soul, which I think, I mean, that's as emotional as he's going to get. Right. And that's the first time, again... I ever thought about the border wall in any type of heartfelt way. Right. Now, uh, later on, whenever Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were there, and Chuck Schumer said, you know, we, America wants to be known for the Statue of Liberty. That was a good line. No, that was a great line. That was because, a really good line. Because, you know, in my mind's eye, you can picture that massive thing, if it would ever be built, that would – that. It, it's not the image any of us want. No, it's not. It's a good line. It's you know you can look at that from a drone shot and go, "Holy smokes, stay the heck out of here." So yeah, I mean, but I, when you saw Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> man, oh man, whoever designed that image, and of course you know it's we live in such a deeply visual media, right? I mean, everyone's everything's so, crafted. Everyone's yeah, and that image uh, that is not a good image of Chuck Pelosi. And, Chuck, Pelosi? Ch- Chuck, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And they the, melded. And the, well, they kind of did last night. It looked more like Frankenstein and brighter Frankenstein. I think, I th- and I'm trying to be unkind here. It just was a, not a good image in any way. I think they hired Tammy Faye Baker's makeup artist. Oh, I mean, it was it was. Listen, I can't figure out how their communications directors allowed that to happen. When you, I'm sure if you looked at that through the screen, you know, as they were setting up, and someone had to sign off on that and go, yeah, this is good. Well, then that person's got to be, ca- be canned. I don't know. That was, it was horrible. First of all, it didn't look, it looked like they were in a dark hallway that they had just like plastered flags in the back of, mm-hmm. like to make it look better. They looked way too crowded. The fact that they were standing next to each other was awkward. Yep. The fact that when one of them was talking, the other one was staring right into the camera was weird. Nope. It The whole thing was just comical. <laughs> have you seen? Yes, you of seen course the, I've seen. The, the, disappoint, the disappointed parents memes oh, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious i don't know i mean what a mess we're in this is such a mess what it were that we did okay, not have to do listen, this wouldn't you have thought that maybe it would be a good idea to put them seated somewhere yeah or to have one on camera at one time or just soften things just soften the image somehow or have but them outside that's you know quite honestly it's so not- it's dark like have them outside there are all sorts of washington correspondents that do stuff at night outside but- however the contrast from president trump and you know he he was i would say his speaking style is that of bombast well, that's his style for everything. It is. That he, you know, he kind of hammers away. And then there was also some breathing thing he was doing. You know, to read from a teleprompter, a teleprompter, it takes a particular style. Right. I was looking for, what's he have? Uh, sleep apnea. Does I was he? looking for that. Well, that's what it kind of sounded like. He, he was like, I didn't maybe. notice that. I don't know. You didn't notice that? No, I didn't Holy notice the smokes. breathing. Oh, yeah. That was a big deal. Sorry. We maybe, were... maybe I was breathing heavily because I'd realized that I had seven minutes behind. I found that I wasn't breathing. I was like so anxious. I was holding my breath going, please, let's get this over. Please. Uh, I don't know. Is anything going to be resolved by this? Look, and the media is right about this. I mean, all these people who are not going to get a paycheck, people are not going to get a paycheck here, right? Right. 
Uh, the government effectively is shut down. However, these guys in power, they're still going to cash their paychecks. All right, Mike, you've got some audio for us. Over the last several years, I've met with dozens of families whose loved ones were stolen by illegal immigration. I've held the hands of the weeping mothers and embraced the grief-stricken fathers. So sad. So terrible. I will never forget the pain in their eyes, the tremble in their voices, and the sadness gripping their souls. How much more American blood must we shed before Congress does its job? For those who refuse to compromise in the name of border security, I would ask, imagine if it was your child, your husband, or your wife, whose life was so cruelly shattered and totally broken. To every member of Congress, pass a bill that ends this crisis. To every citizen, call Congress and tell them to finally, after all of these decades, secure our border. This is a choice between right and wrong, justice and injustice. This is about whether we fulfill our sacred duty to the American citizens we serve. When I took the oath of office, I swore to protect our country. And that is what I will always do. So help me, God. Thank you and good night. Okay, there he was. I mean, I think he lays it out pretty clearly. Here's the deal. People voted for President Trump because he was not, you know, in the box, a career politician. And so he may stake the next election on this and go, I don't care if I'm not elected next term, next, you know, in 2020. I'm going to die on this hill come hell or high water. And that's how it's going to be. So there it is. I don't see any wiggle here between Mm -hmm. the Democrats or the Republicans. No one's going to be, you know, oh, okay, yeah, we found some middle ground. Because everyone wants to save face. To me, this is sort of feels like political gamesmanship at this point. Well, Heaven ev- help us. I mean, every single thing is political gamesmanship. Ugh. I don't think there's any question about it. Now, right before we came to air, I saw a news report saying that the president left the White House meeting with Democrats after Nancy Pelosi rejected the border wall. He walked out and said, this is a waste of time. So now you're walking out of a meeting. I mean, that, that's, again, it's like fifth grade stuff. Come on. Sit in that room and get it together and make an agreement and don't come out of that room until it's done. Meanwhile, people are just, you know, there's no money coming into the family income. People are trying to pay their mortgages and their rent and their child care and all that. That's what you got to focus on as well. I get it. All right. We never talk about politics, but we're talking we're about talking politics about today. We're going to talk about it today, John. Heaven help us. Heaven help us indeed. All right. Coming up next, your future self will thank you. Secrets to self-control from the Bible and brain science. Drew Dick next. 101.5 WORD. Next time on Adventures in Odyssey, Olivia and Matthew climb into the Imagination Station to meet some biblical heroes. We're going to go see King David now. Prince Absalom. But are they truly heroes? But he looks so old. Absalom killed his own brother? Find out what makes a hero and see David and Absalom in action. Next time on Adventures in Odyssey.
tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. Baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. Brr, isn't it chilly? Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, snuggling up to a nice, warm bowl of homemade soup. Winter on our farm means my brother Sam and his guys are trying to stay warm as they feed all the groups of cows, calves, and heifers out in the elements, milk the 100-cow herd twice a day, and handle all that comes with a working dairy farm, no matter what the weather is. Winter at the Springhouse store means a little slower pace, so it's a great time for our cooks to try out new main dishes, new sides, and new soup recipes like the one I'm enjoying, vegetarian chili. The bakers are even getting in on the act and trying new desserts, too, like chocolate cherry corn. Stop by for lunch or supper and see what new creations they've come up with today. Good old-fashioned cooking featuring all-natural, farm-fresh ingredients and lots of TLC. The Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. My dad, a hard-working, regular blue-collar guy, a Korean War vet, a Pittsburgher, a Yinzer. He married, raised a family, and gave over 20 years of his life to one company. And that company filed for bankruptcy. I watched my mom and dad struggle at a late age, and it was tough, but they made it. For almost 30 years now, I, and now Ethan, have helped all the people that God entrusted to our management. Putting together retirement blueprints, personalized, customized solutions that help people retire with confidence, clarity, and independence the way I wished it would have happened for my parents. I'm Kurt Kenotic. My company, Accurate Solutions Group, would love to help you. It's never too late. It's never too early. Just call 412-515-3555, 412-515-3555, or visit ASGRetire.com. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Timeless wisdom, encouraging proverbs, and powerful promises. At BibleStudyTools.com, we aim to provide the best free resources for knowing the Word of God and applying its powerful truths to your life. Use BibleStudyTools.com's daily Bible verse for inspiration as you start each day. Find powerful verses on more than 300 topics that relate to your life's challenges and needs. Verses to encourage your soul, lift your spirit, and strengthen your faith. Visit BibleStudyTools.com. That's BibleStudyTools.com. Self-control. I don't think it matters if you're 13 or 93. It is a battle with our own selves, right? To get things together, to to make things move forward, to stop that, to start the negative that. thing and produce the positive thing. Well, Drew Dick is back with us. He's got a brand new book out called Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. Drew, welcome. How are you, friend? I'm doing well. Glad to be with you guys. Drew, you've really done an excellent job with the book. Out I of mean, the park. We're both really oh, into it. You. You've made <laughs> us you've made us feel truly horrible about ourselves and so we wanna <laughs> say thanks. That's what I that's what I was aiming for. Excellent. Great. I'm surprised I'm surprised that you dedicated this book to your son and not to us. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and I actually I, I wondered about that, dedicating it to my son, mm-hmm. um, because I thought is that a bit of a head trip, you know? Because I tell him, you know, develop self control and you'll it, it'll go well for you. Um, but that's okay. I think it it's it's actually designed to be. I think so he's going to love that it. as he grows older. Exactly, he'll go. Okay, I yeah. better live up to this. Yeah. <laughs> tell us the story of your brother Darren, who recently had a heart attack at only the age of forty four. Yeah, well, it was a shock for our whole family. Uh, really close with him. 
Um, and so obviously we were just initially incredibly worried about him and his safety. And as we all breathed a sigh of relief, when we found out he was going to be okay, uh, he got the treatment that he needed. I started to think about my own situation. I'm only five years younger than Darren. Yeah. And I started to think about my own diet, my own exercise or lack thereof. And I thought, okay, that's it. This is what I needed. This, this really scary wake-up call. This is going to be the change I finally need. And I started running around the block every night and eating healthier. And then after about a week or two, something weird happened. I reverted back to my old habits of sitting on the couch, watching TV, eating potato chips. Um, <laughs> and I realized it was such a weird realization because here I had like the, the kind of ultimate wake-up call to get serious about my health, and yet I couldn't seem to make myself stick to a healthy diet or an exercise regimen. And that was part of the inspiration for starting this book project, which initially actually wasn't a book project at all. I was just researching for myself to try to understand why so often I'll set goals or make resolutions only to see them unravel very quickly. Uh, and so that, that led me to kind of plow into the research, both from a psychological perspective and a biblical one, to try to understand how can I grow uh, this vital um, uh, characteristic of self-control. Right. And why it's so hard. I mean, you have, you're, you're motivated in this instance by fear, right? Because you, right. you don't want to end up having a heart attack at Not that me. age, like your brother. You're motivated right. by, you're motivated, motivated by a sense of something coming on you because you know you're getting older and you're getting to the age where something like that can happen, right? You're motivated because mm-hmm. you know that heart disease has something to do with what you eat and how much you exercise. And still, still, it doesn't quite settle in. What does that mean about us? Yeah. Well, one thing that, that's become very clear to me is that knowledge doesn't always translate into action, right? And that, that's one example right there. Um, I know enough, I'm not a doctor, but I know enough about health and exercise and eating to know that I shouldn't be living the way I was. Um, and yet I, I couldn't seem to translate that into action. Same in my spiritual life, right? Because we know these, these beautiful, inspiring things about God, and, and we, we may full, fully believe the core doctrines of the Christian faith, and then when it comes to actually, say, spending time in the Word or praying, it's hard to do that. And the reason is, what's really been helpful to me is understanding more about habits in this case. So, you know, when you go into a situation and you're meaning to do a certain thing, but you have a habit to not do that, you're going to default to your habits 95% of the time, because habits are incredibly powerful. So then the task uh, begins, uh, starts to be about creating uh, new, healthy, holy habits in your life uh, that you can default to rather than slipping back into bad habits and besetting sins. Right. So a lot of people would say, well, you know, my self-control is not really necessary because I'm a bit of a free spirit and I make things work. Or, you know, I'm artistic <laughs> and I call on the muse and the muse will make things work for me. So I'm just going to go with the flow. And the self-control thing, well, yeah, I'll get around to, you know, changing my bed sheets and making sure my balance and my checkbook is okay somewhere down the road. Self-control is not really a big deal for me. Right. No. And and when I'm urging people to be self-controlled, um, I don't think, you know, I'm not meaning to say don't be spontaneous, don't have fun, don't be joyful. Um, and, of course, yeah, personalities are all at the spectrum. Some people are going to be more like that. Others are going to be kind of the, the planners and, and uh, uh, a little more regimented. Um, but really what I'm talking about is getting into those 
destructive and often sinful impulses, right, that we have uh, that not only, um, you know, will sabotage our relationship with God and others, but will sabotage ourselves ultimately in the long run. A lot of people think of freedom as the desire to do whatever you want, but as Christians, we know that's a scam, right? It's it's the ultimate enslavement to be to be um, at the mercy of your desires and impulses, um, and actually being able to live a life of self control is what ultimately brings us freedom. Uh, and I think that's why Scripture speaks so highly of this virtue, right? And it's it's you know it's one of the fruits of the spirit I mentioned in Galatians, um, and so it, it's not sort of something where it's like okay, I'm not that personality. I don't need that. I think we all need it, because in the long run, if you don't have self-control, your life gets very difficult very quickly. And I think that's the irony, is people think, well, self-control is hard. Well, maybe a little bit up front, but if you rein in your spending, you eat well, you uh, commune with God every day, if you do these kinds of things, your life's actually going to be easier in the long run. So that brings us to the marshmallow test. Hmm. So for yes, our, for our listeners, yeah. Uh-huh. So so the listeners who do, who are, are aren't familiar with the marshmallow test, lay it out for us because that really is the perfect example of what we're talking about. Yeah, that's just that. It was a test that they did. Experimenters did at Stanford in the 1960s, and I'll just give a quick recap. Basically, what they did is they got all these preschoolers, like three and four year olds, together, and they put a marshmallow in front of them or some other tasty snack, and they said, "Okay, here's the deal, little." little guy or gal, you can eat this marshmallow right now, or if you wait 20 minutes, we'll give you two marshmallows. <laughs> and so they were seeing how if these kids could delay gratification. And, um, of course, most of the kids just crammed the marshmallow into their mouth right away, or, you know, after a minute or two. There were a, a few that held out for the full 20 minutes, and then they kind of charted, um, you know, how long it took them. Well, that wasn't the big finding of the test. It was just this coincidence the researcher, the, the lead researcher's daughter, went to school with a lot of the people that had been participants in this test. And, and as his daughter and these kids grew older, he noticed, and he'd hear secondhand reports about how the kids were doing, he'd noticed that the ones that couldn't hold out very long and ate the marshmallow right away, weren't doing so, they weren't doing so hot at school. They were getting bad grades, they were getting in fights. Later on, they were abusing drugs and alcohol. The ones that could hold out for the full 20 minutes were like rock stars. They were getting, they were excelling in school. They were uh, more popular, more successful. And so they tracked down all of these kids, and they, they um, looked at them not only in school but into early adulthood. And they found something amazing, and that is that self-control at four years old even correlated um, to these favorable life outcomes later in life, which is, is weird because usually tests that they do on kids don't predict anything in adulthood. But this one was incredibly predictive of later life outcomes. And so at that point, people had thought, well, self-esteem is the key, or high IQ really is what sets someone up for success in life. But this just demolished all that. It showed that self-control was the essential trait that people um, uh, need in order to live a healthy successful life. So then, Drew, at four years of age, Drew, is self-control already hardwired into the system for some people and less so for others? (laughs) That's precisely what I was worried about, because I read that and I go, great! I swear I would have been one of those four-year-olds that crammed a marshmallow in my mouth right away and asked for another one, you know? Um, (laughs) So 
I was a little worried about that, and I talked to some sociologists. And yeah, there people just naturally have often higher levels of self control or lower levels. But mm-hmm. this is the good news: is that it can you can you can grow your self control. Right. Your willpower can get stronger. Um, and as Christians, we know we call this. This is kind of a uh, we put it under the header of sanctification. That ten dollar theological word that means becoming more like Jesus, growing in virtue. Um, and self-control is a big part of that. So as we go through life, especially as we stay connected to God, um, I believe our self-control can grow. Drew, we want to extend an invitation to you. We, we love the work so much. We're wondering if you might join us regularly over the next four or so weeks so that we can kind of break down your book in a little more detail and talk about all the things that you've discovered about self-control. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. And you, so important to hear. So important to hear. And it makes you feel like when you're done with the book that, wow, it's not like this is outside our grasp. This is something that we're commanded to do because God has given us the power to do it. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm totally honored by that invitation. I'll take you up on it because uh, obviously I'm passionate about the topic, and uh, I, I do want to reiterate I I came to this uh, not because I was an expert on the topic, but because I desperately needed to be. So yeah. we'll we'll learn about it together. Excellent. <laughs> okay, Great. Drew. Well, really, you are really, not alone. Believe really me. So work. that's why we're having you back. Yeah. So let's make a date for next week for you to join us again as we talk about self control. Drew Dick, the brand new work. Your future self will thank you. Secrets to self-control from the Bible and brain science. Through Dick. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt, credit card debt, and I heard a commercial for Trinity. I gave them a call. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. When I first called, I was a little embarrassed and kind of ashamed, and I looked at the numbers, and I saw how quickly that astronomical debt that was in my life would go away. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. What I would tell other people, please pick up the phone and call Trinity. Just let them put together a program and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. Call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. See today's best faith-based and family-friendly movies all free of charge January 25th through 27th. Word FM welcomes the Projecting Hope Film Festival to select area theaters presented by the Speakman Financial Group featuring the best faith-focused films of 2018 plus exclusive pre-release screenings for 2019 like Run the Race from executive producer Tim Tebow and the highly anticipated Easter release breakthrough made possible by Geneva College. Visit ProjectingHopePGH.com for times and locations. Sponsored by Calusi Chevrolet, Grace Wellness Center and J&D Waterproofing. She just made me feel so comfortable, and I've been going to her ever since. After avoiding the dentist for years, an emergency led Pamela to Dr. Megan Stock. She made me feel very much at ease. She didn't make me feel shameful about the condition of my teeth, and she was just very easy to talk to. She not only found a dentist, she found a friend. I am confident that when I'm finished that I'm going to have a bright, beautiful smile, which I really wanted to have for a long time. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. 
you can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. As we start 2019, we so much appreciate the support of one of our newest clients, Grove City College. So thanks to everyone at GCC. John and I and everyone here at the Ride Home are grateful for your partnership. Windy and cold tonight with snow showers leaving behind a coating to an inch of accumulation. The low 21 will stay brisk and cold tomorrow with clouds and a couple of flurries. High 27, mostly cloudy, cold tomorrow night with a low of 20 degrees. And we'll continue to see more clouds than sunshine for Friday with a high of 32. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Pittsburgh has been, um, what, rediscovered or re-energized. There's a renaissance of food. Gone are the days where Ritter's Diner was the place you went to have dinner. Uh, there's been this resurgence of restaurants that, you know, in another generation, people would raise an eyebrow and go, really, you're going to eat that? But uh, Pittsburgh has been named the Food City of the Year for 2019 by AF and Company. Candace McDonald is with us. She, uh, she's the Director of Consulting Services at AF and is with us live in studio. Candace, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, Candace. So you are uh, born... And raised in Pittsburgh, am I right about that? That's true, yes. I haven't lived here for about 20 years now, but I grew up in Pittsburgh. Okay. And um, uh, then have lived in Chicago and San Francisco and, and now in Cincinnati. But um, Okay. Yeah, so I'm familiar with Pittsburgh, but it's not the same place that it was uh No, I got to be honest with you. I'm also born and raised in Pittsburgh. And um, it used to be that I felt like I was pretty much on the cutting edge of what was going on restaurant-wise in Pittsburgh, right? I've totally lost track. I can't do it. I don't have enough free time anymore, nor do I have enough money to keep up with the scene just exploded. Yes. And they come and go, too. Four or five years ago. I mean, it's just amazing. I feel like, I mean, I I can't... I, I just can't keep up. I don't know how else to say well, it. Well, a couple of years ago, we had dinner at a place uh, in Market Square called Poros, and we, we loved it. We loved it so right. much. And now it's gone, which, you know... Which, kind of, I mean, I cried bitter tears over it. I was yeah. in Market Square just a couple of days ago, and I went in front of what was Poros, and I thought, oh. really? We Is there such, anything there yet? We had such lovely empty? moments there. Yeah. Well, it was pouring down rain, so I didn't oh. stay and weep for long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, so Candace, from your yeah. perspective, you grew up in Pittsburgh, where you've mm-hmm. been away for a long time. What makes the city food scene in Pittsburgh so vibrant, such that you guys would notice it and say, okay, this is our city this year? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think, um, you know, first of all, when we look at sort of cities where interesting things are happening in food, historically, that's that's become from the coasts, right? And so, yeah. and things sort of trickle in and you sure. sort of see things happen. But um, I think what's happened uh, in the past couple of years is that we've seen that, you know, New York and San Francisco are, and LA are very expensive. They're expensive places to have a restaurant and restaurant margins are very slim, right? And so... Um, what happens is you have a lot of culinary talent that says, hey, I can't have a great quality of life. I can't do the kind of restaurant I want to do. I have to do something, you know, I have to go somewhere else. Right. And so they're either from here or they come to Pittsburgh or, other, or cities like Pittsburgh and see that, you know, you can do really interesting things here. You can have, you know, um, you know, uh, you can you can have a restaurant, you know, in in New York or San Francisco to have, uh, you know, to have a sommelier, to have a pastry chef, to have, you know, someone doing salumi, to have, you know, some of the things that we see, um, those are expensive, right? And so, and you can't do that very easily here right. in 
Pittsburgh, you can have all of those things and you can have a great, you know, 50 seat restaurant and have a nice quality of life. Right. So I think what we're seeing is that there's a, a lot of talent that's, that is uh, seeing a great business opportunity here. So then how does that work for the, for the general population, for us? You know, if you're used to, you know, considering fine dining polis and all of a sudden now there's this explosion, there's this renaissance, you have to, if you're so engaged, somehow educate yourself to what the palate sure. is open to. Sure. You know, and I think that's, you know, what what makes, you know, dining out is a form of entertainment, right? And yeah. I think, um, you know, Pittsburgh's always been a place where people seek entertainment. That's why sports teams have always been a part of the fabric of, of here and, you know, in the, the cultural district. And there's a lot of entertainment here beyond um, – you know, just beyond what we typically think of. And, and that's what restaurants are, right? And it doesn't have to be that fine dining experience anymore. I mean, there's really casual spots right. you know, opening up much more so actually even than those fine dining experiences. And so, um, and I think the other thing that we're seeing, and this is part of a, a, you know, a food trend nationally, is that we're seeing a lot of different types of food. You know, it, it used to be that, you know, fine dining meant a certain type of European food, right? Mm-hmm. Or a certain type of California cuisine. It was serious, sure. right? Um, but now we see a lot of different um, countries that have their food being represented. And and Pittsburgh, I think, um, you know, partially because it's it's always been a city that has strong ethnic ties, right? In terms of, um, you know, our, the neighborhoods in Pittsburgh sure. are connected historically to certain, you know, you have Italian areas and German areas and whatnot. Um, but also, you know, Pittsburgh has, because of the universities, we have a very diverse uh, international community. So I think for that reason, it allows, um, you know, you're seeing a lot of experimentation in restaurants. You're seeing people, um, you know, bringing those flavors into, into different environments. So um, I think, you know, that combined with also the fact that Pennsylvania has such proximity to great farms, you know, and there's really great products sure. here to work with. Um, so all of those things have come together, really, to make for a really interesting food scene. Nice. Hey, let's take a quick break. Uh, Candace McDonald is with us. We're talking about Pittsburgh being named uh, Food City of the Year for 2019. Candace is going to stay with us, and uh, we'll go deeper into the menu as the show goes on. Stick around. We'll be right back. following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800 That's 800-671-7070. 800-671-7070. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. Across America, it's snoring season. Right now, 90 million Americans make this sound every night. Snoring can be caused by breathing through your mouth when you sleep. If you have a blocked or narrow nose, then you're more likely to open your mouth to breathe, causing snoring. Thankfully, there's news. An ingenious Australian invention that could quiet the snoring season once and for all. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device that sits inside the nose, supporting your airway and keeping it open while you sleep. 
You'll breathe more easily through your nose and snore less. In fact, in trials, 75% of couples reported a reduction in snoring when using Mute, allowing them both a better night's sleep. Put snoring season to bed, America. Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. For more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. Losing business to online companies? Call us at Salem Surround, digital marketing that surrounds potential customers with your message wherever they engage, search, surf, socialize, or review. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and prescribe solutions to dramatically increase your bottom line. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround, total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to Surround Pit Pittsburgh.com, connecting you with new customers. Train up children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. PittsburghChristianSchools.net will help you locate true educational partners in Allegheny, Beaver, Butler, and Washington counties. PittsburghChristianSchools.net. Candace McDonald is with us. She's the con- uh, Director of Consulting Services at AF and Company. Talking about Pittsburgh being uh, named a food city for 2019. So Candace, talk to us about um, how you see the neighborhoods, you know, the I don't want to say the ethnic divides, but it kind of is what it is, right? How Pittsburgh kind of evolved over the years um, and how that's kind of cemented in us a love for certain ethnic foods in certain neighborhoods. Yeah, I think that's what's sort of most interesting about, um, you know, what we noticed about Pittsburgh is... Um, you know, when we're talking about trends, right, that's where this report is, is put together. We sort of look at, you know, what do we see that's going to be really popular, you know, and that's really what, how we define what a trend is. And that's that's what we um, what put Pittsburgh on the map for us is that we think there's a lot of um, things coming together in Pittsburgh and the neighborhoods and some of the, the development that has happened in the past, you know, five years or, or more um, in, in terms of the neighborhoods in Pittsburgh is what makes it really interesting. You know, there's there's people coming to live in certain sections of the city where they didn't live before. Sure. And, you know, that's what really impacts um, impacts new, new restaurants coming into an area. Um, and or so, people making a restaurant like in Braddock. Mm-hmm. People aren't living in Braddock, but they go there because of the restaurants. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, and there's that's actually a trend we see across the country is – when you have a neighborhood that maybe is you know a little less desirable or there's been an economic downturn in a specific neighborhood or a pocket within a city a lot of times the restaurants will, that come in there then spur the rest of the economic growth of the I neighborhood see. which is which is great to see too okay so a restaurant can really pick up a neighborhood sure absolutely because it causes people to want to come into a place that they haven't been before and then if they like it then they come back exactly and i think you know one of the great things about restaurants um is that you know, it's it's not like other types of businesses where, you know, you only want one, you, you want to be the only grocery store in a neighborhood, right? Because that's really good. Restaurants actually benefit when there's multiple restaurants than, in an area. Right. You know, it becomes a bit of a destination. You know, pe- people want to be where other people are, right? And that's why we go out to dine. We, right. we go out to dine, you know, to experience something that we don't, we can't make at home necessarily. Um, so it's more convenient and there's a sense of discovery and exploration and um, and we go to be with other people. Yeah. How about the rise of like, you know, HGTV and all the different shows on, you know, that are streaming on cable and whatnot. Has somehow that influenced culinary schools and young entrepreneurs and young chefs and all that to create something that, you know, you couldn't have dreamed of 20 or 30 years ago? For sure. I mean, we've seen, I mean, the rise of the celebrity chef is nothing, is not new in, in recent years and much 
thanks to um, you know those the Food Network and and all of the TV chefs that are yeah. out there and the cooking competitions. I think there's we've definitely seen that impact how people view food, and mm-hmm. it makes it um, it's made it it's contributed to that sense of entertainment um, that's there. And we see that in terms of you know impacting how restaurants are designed. You know, it used to be kind of what happened in the kitchen stayed in the kitchen, right? Of course, behind like the magic black curtain, right? right? Now know? now it's open kitchens. You know, it's part of the show, right? We you know we want to know it's there. We want that energy and vibrancy and and that's actually another you know contributes really to another trend that we're seeing across the country is really a lot of transparency in restaurants um and that's fine dining all the way down through fast casual people care about what they're eating and they want to know what it is they want to know where it comes from mm-hmm. um you and know, what's the process and what's the process what went into that see know? i can't imagine what that's like to be a, a chef or whatever connected to the to the back of the stage mm-hmm. i mean i've worked in restaurants that's chaos back there <laughs> oftentimes it's angry back there there's a lot of emotion involved in that and then to see that on the front and center stage that's that's kind of scary yeah a little bit you know it is it's true i think there's there's certain kitchens you want to know what happens and you know certain kitchens where the energy might not be the right vibe mm-hmm. but i think we're seeing that shift too i think we're seeing um you know that that was an overall theme of our trend report this year is restaurants are um our, our trend report overall was called do the right thing we're seeing that with restaurants we're seeing restaurants you know and um in the hospitality industry in general we're seeing you know them you know we're seeing people care about what they eat. They want to eat right. They want to know what's right. going in their bodies. They're doing the right thing culturally for their team members. So I think what you're talking about back of house things, you know, we're seeing a little less of that kind of yeah, angry, angry chef at the back yelling at people. Right. We're seeing a little bit more of a, um, you know, a sense of hospitality coming through in the front and the back of the house. Right. Um, so Restaurant Week starts in Pittsburgh uh, next Monday, and we're looking forward to that. Yeah. So is that a common thing? Are there Restaurant Weeks in other major cities as well? There are. Yeah, it's a. It's definitely. Uh, it's a great opportunity to try somewhere new that you haven't been. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of times they're you know they're they're scheduled by you know during a time of year when a lot of people sort of slow down on their eating out. We see that a lot in January. Sure. Sure. But. Um, yeah, so definitely get out and try some of the new restaurants in Pittsburgh or, or an old favorite. I mean, that's the thing. You know, a favorite can be a favorite for, for a reason, too. Candace McDonald's with us, Director of Consulting and Services at AF & Co. Mm-hmm. Is that the way you pronounce it? Great. Yeah. They've named Pittsburgh 2019 Food City or 2018 or 19. For 19, yeah. Okay, for 19, Food City of yeah. the Year. Okay. All right, so Candace, let's talk about neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. When I think of food neighborhoods now off the top of my head, the first one I think of is Penn Avenue, the Cultural District downtown, sure. mm-hmm. um, also that goes into Market Square. Mm-hmm. Now, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that was a scary place a lot to of pigeons. walk sure. around. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you can walk up and down Penn Avenue and you can eat in you know 16 different places. Yeah, it's exciting. I, you know, I think that neighborhood, you know, from what I've seen, you know, and again, I'm I'm from here, but I'm a little bit of an outsider. Um, that's really a lot of the driven by the cultural district, yeah. and you know, again, um, you know, people, it's part of entertainment, it's a social environment. Um, you know, I think I think what we've also seen in Pittsburgh, and I think this is true of maybe some of the other neighborhoods you're thinking of, is really a lot of people believing in Pittsburgh, and a lot of developers saying, you know, we have something really special here in Pittsburgh. You know, these neighborhoods could be more than they are. So East Liberty, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember when I grew up here, you know, I did some some tutoring uh, at, at the um, the large church that's there. And I remember I was 16 and my parents were very nervous about me driving into that neighborhood to do tutoring.
teetering. And, you know, now there's an AC hotel right there and right, lots yeah. of amazing restaurants. So. They'd be nervous about how much you spend on parking if exactly, you went there now. Exactly. We don't go there for different reasons. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're coming into Pittsburgh, you know, from San Francisco to Chicago, now to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But you still got family here in Pittsburgh, I so do. you have connections here. Mm-hmm. So when you come in here and you think, okay, I'm going to go see my mom and dad, but I'm also going to go out to dinner, where are you going to go? Yeah, well, there's a, a great restaurant um, that called Spork, if yeah. you've been to. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, and they have, uh, it's not open right now. It'll be open again in the spring, Spork Pit, which is barbecue. Barbecue is becoming you know, more popular in Pittsburgh, too. You've got right. some good barbecue spots opening. Um, the interesting thing about Spork, and full disclosure, they are also a client of ours, so I'm going to plug them. But, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but Due diligence. The, yes, but the interesting thing is, you know, they are, um, you know, a small restaurant that's able to do a lot of really interesting things because of being in Pittsburgh, you know, so they have a wonderful pastry chef where they mm. do this amazing. It's called. It's a very Pittsburgh thing. It's called the cookie table, and mm. it's sure, dessert. Sure. And it's oh, I've heard about this. It's like the wedding yes. table, but it's nice. all these wonderful um, cookies. I love that. Um, and they have a garden right next door, which is also interesting. You know, I think that's that's a trend that we're seeing in a lot of places. Is um, you know, farm to table has been a thing for a while. That's not new. Um, but we're now we're also seeing um, chefs and restaurants working to have you know seeds specifically cultivated for their. Um, you know, there's a seed company that's that's cultivating seeds specifically for chefs for specific dishes. Really? Places, which is very interesting, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great spots in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually, someone is taking me to um, Poule Blue tonight, which I've heard. Which is Lawrenceville. Which is Lawrenceville, which I've heard great Which is, about. you know, that I've tried to get a, a reservation there at least five times. And I, you, I have a very short window that I have free time right now. And not, I have not been able to get, <laughs> I mean, I keep trying, trying, trying because it's so gorgeous. That's I walked in, heard. so yeah. I've seen it. It'll knock you out. It's absolutely fabulous. And it has an open kitchen. Yeah. It kind of makes you feel like your, your wealthy, tasteful French aunt <laughs> invited you for lunch. Well, that sounds lovely. It's, I don't have one of those. It's real. Well, you're going to wish you did after you went to Poulet Blue. So, so you're going to do yeah. that tonight? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. how wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. I hear you should have the French onion soup. Okay, I'm going to. You know, I work with a chef who that's what he, that's his go-to trial for a restaurant. Okay. He considers that to be a really. Um, oh, the standard. A standard for him. You so know, if you so do that has, right, everything yeah, follows. If you do the French onion soup right, then the rest of it's going to be okay. Oh, family. Don't you love the feeling of going in and sitting down and looking at the decor and it's kind of like you know you're going to see a show right you're excited about yes. what's about to happen yeah that's the thing i mean restaurants are are a show i mean that's kind of what you were talking about that you know what happens the back, behind the yeah. scenes and what happens in the front of the scenes you know i think you know a really well-run restaurant operates like the theater um yeah and uh and so and you know the, the show must go on no matter what's happening um, <laughs> yeah i was at a classic standby pittsburgh restaurant that john and i both love to sorrows uh just a few nights ago and i was sitting in there and i just ordered some fish and it came and i thought to myself you know for all we, we have so many wonderful new options like i said mm-hmm. at the start that i just can't possibly keep pace with but there are still some some foundational places that are tried and true in Pittsburgh. And if you're looking for someone that knows how to cook fish, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, Tazaros is, you know, people look at it as a burger joint, but place. man, they know what they're doing when it comes to swordfish. That's yeah. all I can tell you. So, so many fun places to go. Candace, mm-hmm. we're, we want to welcome you back to Pittsburgh. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. We're really happy that you were able to join us today. And uh, this is a great honor that, that you guys have given to the city. Oh, well, yeah. we're, we're expecting great things. Okay. So before, before you leave us, tell us about your company. Yes. Yeah, so we are a hospitality consulting firm. 
firm. We're based in San Francisco. Um, we work with clients all over the country. Um, we work exclusively in hospitality, so I spend my time, you know, working with restaurants and hotels, and um, you know, helping to develop new concepts or to do marketing and public relations and brand strategy for for existing ones. Okay, so does that mean that when you go into a restaurant, are you a hard sell? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, of course, I notice everything, right? Sure. But, um, I, you know, I, I have colleagues who are very, you know, critical and they have that in their mind. But I, I, I know what goes into the whole experience. So I'm probably, you know, as far as a guest, I'm probably the easiest table to wait on because I know you have compassion. I know there's nine million things that could go wrong. So if it turns out to be mostly okay, but, um, but that's yeah. good. So there's a state of grace at the table. It's <laughs> <Right. laughs> very nice. Wonderful. That's well, Candace, wonderful. Thanks a lot. Candace yeah. McDonald. Thanks yeah, so much. Director of consulting and services at AF and company. I'm sure you can find it easily online. Yeah. AF Absolutely. and company. AF and co. has it been since you and your spouse got away for an evening? You know what I mean? A night where you don't have to do the cooking or wash the dishes or tell the waiting staff to go to bed. A night where you don't have to pack Cheerios and where you don't plan to run some errands on the way home. Bottom line, when was the last time you two got to just laugh together? Make room on your calendar for the ultimate date night with Jay and Laura LaFoon. You may ask, what is an ultimate date night? It's the perfect place to laugh and learn to love each other better. It's like no other marriage event you've ever been to because you'll actually enjoy it. Join us. You know you need a good laugh. Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon, an ultimate evening of marriage edutainment. Friday, February 1st at Christchurch at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. The original Mattress Factory's mission is simple. We hand-build quality mattresses in our local factories. We sell those mattresses directly to our customers so we can eliminate the middleman, saving you hundreds of dollars compared to mainstream brands. While the other guys have their gimmicks, the original Mattress Factory has a straightforward approach and is committed to quality and doing what's best for our customers. It's what we've done for almost 30 years. Go to OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. Great beds, no bull. That is the original Mattress Factory difference. Quality products plus factory direct prices equals great value. Mattresses that are designed with better materials. Mattresses that are hand-built in local factories. Mattresses that cost hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Now I know what you're thinking. This all sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it isn't. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. At Accurate Solutions Group, we do financial and retirement planning, and we think of ourselves as servant leaders. We've been at this for almost three decades now. We know how to identify issues and find solutions that work, but we believe we're also charged to be faithful stewards for our clients. Ethan and I hold to the fiduciary standard in our investment practice. That means every bit of advice, every recommendation must be in our client's best interest, period, end of story. So we put together retirement blueprint solutions that help people retire with confidence, clarity, and independence. We'd love to talk to you. It's never too late. It's never too early. Just call Accurate Solutions Group, 412-515-3555, 412-515-3555, or visit ASGRetire.com. I'm Kurt Kinetic. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Oh! 
excuse me, I have to get this text. It's my son. He texts H-Y-D. That means, how was your day? G-R-8-P-F-Y. That means, I'm great and praying for him. We used to be really close when he was in high school. After that, not so much. Until I learned to text. I-L-Y means, I love you. Conversation. Make the effort and keep your family close. For communication tips, visit Facebook.com slash Make Every Day Count. Uh, just last summer, I was in New York City, mm-hmm. and uh, lovely. And I don't know my way around New York City at all because I have spent only maybe I don't know fourteen days tops in my whole life aggregate in New York, and so I'm always kind of stumbling around looking up. Yeah, you know. Well, I was stumbling around, and I seriously like almost ran right into the Chrysler Building. That is such a spectacular piece of architecture. It surely is. I just, it is so... Fabulous Art Deco. Lovely. Yeah, the it's best of so New York lovely. City, 1930s. So I just stopped and I just looked up at it and I thought, this is such, I mean, it's so iconic for those of us who don't live there to see it and then to actually be there. Did you go in the you th- lobby? You think, oh my gosh. Oh my, yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's absolutely wonderful. What's shocking about the, uh, the Chrysler Building is that it was in a race with the Empire State Building to be, at one time, it was the tallest building in New York City or the tallest building in the country. And I, then, of course, the, they were building them simultaneously. Okay. And, of course, the New York, you know, then Empire State Building just went boom and blew past it. But as far as beauty, no. to me, it's the most beautiful building on the New York City side. I'm telling you, absolutely amazing. And the reason I bring it up is that it's up for sale. Oh, yeah. But the, now, who who owns it now and who's buying it? Uh, let's see. So the owners of the uh, Art Deco office tower, an Abu Dhabi government fund, oh. and New York developer Tishman Spire have okay. hired CBRE Group Incorporated to market the property, according to the chairman of this uh, firm. Wonder why? Well, in recent years, U.S. and overseas investors have splurged on famous properties like the Willis Tower in Chicago. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, the Waldorf Astoria oh, yeah. in New York. Uh, for which a Chinese insurer paid $1.95 billion in 2015. Talk about a beautiful building. Mm-hmm, yeah. you kidding me? The Chrysler Building's owners are hoping to attract someone who's willing to spend money like that, for anywhere from across the globe, uh, offering the opportunity to own a famous slice of the Manhattan skyline, a piece of New York City history. I'm reading the uh, Keiko Morris article from today's Wall Street Journal. Now, estimates for the property's value, are you considering this? I would love to live up top, okay, at the very top of the spot. What about purchasing it? Probably not. We should I'm, bid for it. I'm content with my mortgage. Mike, you want to bid? Yeah, sure. A number of real estate investors believe the Chrysler Building could struggle to recoup the $800 million really? that the Abu Dhabi Investment Council paid um, shortly before the financial crisis caused the real estate prices to the go tumble. down. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's competing for tenants with gleaming new office towers designed specifically for current tastes. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Right. It's kind of like uh, the housing market, which is that you know, for those of us who love old houses, we realize we're kind of a small percentage because most people want in a home a big open kitchen, open a concept. great room, the whole nine yards. The open Meanwhile, like I would... I just need to blow up my kitchen and start over. But anyway, apparently when it comes to investment properties in office buildings, it's a similar thing that that newer office co- office 
dwellers want something that's new and different versus something that looks like an office building from the 1950s inside, right? When's that trend going to come back again where you go – I mean, because I saw a thing over the weekend, people saying, you know, the open office thing – Right, it's going out. Is horrible. Who would want that? Right, who wants that? Not me. You and I have our own offices. Aren't you glad for a door? Well, listen, I don't know how long it was when Google came into town. The, The open concept was exactly what everybody wanted. Yuck. Right? So you can all go out and sit on a sofa no, together and brainstorm no. and be creative. That guy over there, go go into your office and close the door. That's what I want to do. Current office dwellers, as I called them before, um, are interested in floor-to-ceiling windows and modern amenities like sweeping outdoor terraces, bike storage. <laughs> Let's get to work. And state-of-the-art fitness centers. Oh, get to work. Fitness Listen, centers, I'm bike just stores, sweeping views and patios. that there are downsides uh-huh. to owning a pre-war building. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, when things break, it takes much longer to fix because there's only one guy on the planet that has the tools to fix something from the 1920s and 1940s, said Adelaide Posanelli, vice chair of the Commercial Investment Sales and Leasing Division at the real estate services firm Compass. How many stories do you think the Chrysler building is? Mm, 70. 77. That's very close. 77. It was built between 1928 and 1930. Yes. And with the spire, at one time, ever so briefly, it did hold the title of the tallest building in the world. It did. Only for a short time before it was surpassed by the Empire State Building, which was completed in 31. Right. We're at Seven Parkway Center. It's nowhere near the Chrysler building, but we're happy to be here. Hey, stick around. We get a great five o'clock hour, I promise. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. A White House meeting seeking an end to the government shutdown ends in disarray. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer saying the president threw a temper tantrum. He asked uh, Speaker Pelosi, will you agree to my wall? She said no. And he just got up and said, then we have nothing to discuss. And he just walked down. House Republican Leader Kevin McCarthy says the president asked politely. Okay, Nancy, if we open the government up in 30 days, could we have border security? She raised her hand and said, no, not at all. The president calmly said, I guess you're still not wanting to deal with the problem. With no signs of progress, the president has again raised the possibility of declaring a national emergency to end the shutdown and build the border wall. That's correspondent Wally Hines reporting. On Wall Street, the Dow up by 92 points. The Nasdaq rose 60. The S&P advanced 11. This is SRN News. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher mortgage payments. At Quicken Loans, we've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates so you can buy a home with certainty. It's called Rate Shield, and here's how it works. With Rate Shield, you can lock your interest rate while you shop for a new home. So if rates go up, you don't have to worry. And here's the best part. If rates go down, you get the lower rate. With Rate Shield, we really have you covered. Here are more reasons why you'll want to work with America's largest mortgage lender. For nine years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. And for the fifth year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in the nation for mortgage servicing. Rate Shield. 
Another way we can save you money on your mortgage. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Based on Rocket Mortgage data in comparison to public data records, racial approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. See today's best faith-based and family-friendly movies all free of charge, January 25th through 27th. Word FM welcomes the Projecting Hope Film Festival to select area theaters. Presented by the Speakman Financial Group. Featuring the best faith-focused films of 2018, plus exclusive pre-release screenings for 2019 like Run the Race from executive producer Tim Tebow and the highly anticipated Easter release breakthrough made possible by Geneva College. Visit ProjectingHopePGH.com for times and locations. Sponsored by Calusi Chevrolet, Grace Wellness Center, and J&D Waterproofing. Baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. Brr, isn't it chilly? Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Spring House, snuggling up to a nice, warm bowl of homemade soup. Winter on our farm means my brother Sam and his guys are trying to stay warm as they feed all the groups of cows, calves, and heifers out in the elements, milk the 100-cow herd twice a day, and handle all that comes with a working dairy farm, no matter what the weather is. Winter at the Springhouse store means a little slower pace, so it's a great time for our cooks to try out new main dishes, new sides, and new soup recipes like the one I'm enjoying, vegetarian chili. The bakers are even getting in on the act and trying new desserts too, like chocolate cherry cordial. Stop by for lunch or supper and see what new creations they've come up with today. Good old-fashioned cooking featuring all-natural farm-fresh ingredients and lots of TLC. The Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Being a Word FM fan club member is the fast, free, easy way to access exclusive content only available to members. Easily enter contests, give us your feedback, and let us know how we're doing. Score pre-sale tickets and get exclusive seating, plus members-only discounts and loads of free stuff. Like right now, members have a chance at two tickets to the Jesus Free Cruise this June with DC Talk, including airfare. Visit wordfm.com and join for Freak, a uh, free today. Windy and cold tonight with snow showers that leaving behind a coating to an inch of accumulation. The low 21 will stay brisk and cold tomorrow with clouds and a couple of flurries. High 27, mostly cloudy, cold tomorrow night with a low of 20 degrees. And we'll continue to see more clouds than sunshine for Friday with a high of 32. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. As soon as the show's over, I'm headed out to Giant Eagle and get my milk and my bread because the snows are coming. Oh. Here it comes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, That's good. Are we going to get some actual snow? I didn't hear the weather. Well, they said an inch, oh, a coating to an inch, okay. which kind of like, you know. Leaves things wide open. Yeah, I don't think basically. that means you need to go get toilet right. paper. No, you never know, right? Yeah, I mean, you never know. Just want to be prepared. So last night I was deep into the uh, watching the Pens defeat the Florida Panthers, and it was domination. Is it four to one? It was four to one, mm-hmm. and um, and then it was all of a sudden like nine oh seven or nine oh eight, and I realized I'd forgotten about the president. I set an alarm. So- 
I did. I set an alarm because I wanted to be ready. Don't show off. No, it was good. I had I a bowl have. of M and M's. I was I was anxious eating. Wait, so M and M's is your snack of choice for a presidential address? Well, I had a, a, a bag of a big bag of M and M's in my Christmas stocking that I had yet to crack open, and, and this I was, was just waiting for the moment. I thought, "Holy smokes! I got to watch this little craziness. Let's go. Here we go." Mm-hmm. So I mean, really, I love the whole thing between seeing President Trump sort of look sideways at the teleprompter. Was he looking sideways? It did seem as if it was something was off center. Well, he had to look at the teleprompter otherwise. Otherwise, you know, he's not going to get the message across effectively. I know one eye was half closed. Something was going on there. That's all. But I, you know, I spent a lot of time working on a teleprompter, so I know what that's like. Um, yeah, but I'm just saying, was there something then slightly off kilter about the positioning of the teleprompter and the camera? I don't know. It just seemed a little strange to me. Kay. Just one of the many things. How about the, um, what about the backdrop? You know, you're looking. At oh, all- okay. So two photographs. On, how about you and I are consumed with this, right? Two <laughs> photographs on the right uh, looked like perhaps mom and dad. Mm-hmm. What were all the Metals or something on the what was that? I don't know what they. I thought that they were sort of like, um, like, you know, like on the front of your bicycle, it has like the manufacturers. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a, like that's a little it tag. Like. Or it looked like a car, like you know, nineteen thirties cars had like you know Buick or mm. Chrysler or something. It kind of looked. What was that? Well, or, I thought they, they, looked, they looked like you know when you're at a. It doesn't happen much anymore, but if you're at a, a drugstore or a hardware store or something at the checkout, there'd be this like cardboard display with like all these little metals and things. So if you gave, you know, a dollar to St. Jude or, you know, a dollar to American something, Legion. something, you'd get a little metal. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I have a feeling that's not what that no, was. No, it wasn't. No. <laughs> In both instances. Okay, no, all, wait, the no, time, all the time he spent in hardware stores and drugstores. No, what if he's paying a dollar to What if he's a quarter collector? <laughs> No, 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 no. no. You get that book. It's fifty quarters. They were brightly colored. They were, you know, there was red and blues and green. So here's the: you and I, the three of us, we are obsessing over the design of the president's frame, and then, of course, later on with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, the non-design of that. I mean, with that thing, that looked like something out of The Shining. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) I mean, that was. That was not a good setup either way. Really, Listen, you can good. get some political analysis on any station. <laughs> oh, yes. But when you come to the right home, we're talking about all the important things. All right, Mike, uh, play us a bit. Over the last several years, I've met with dozens of families whose loved ones were stolen by illegal immigration. I've held the hands of the weeping mothers and embraced the grief-stricken fathers. So sad. So terrible. I will never forget the pain in their eyes, the tremble in their voices, and the sadness gripping their souls. How much more American blood must we shed before Congress does its job? For those who refuse to compromise in the name of border security, I would ask, imagine if it was your child, your husband, or your wife, whose life was so cruelly shattered and totally broken. For every member of Congress, pass a bill that ends this crisis. To every citizen, call Congress and tell them to finally, after all of these decades, secure our border. This is a choice between right and wrong, justice and injustice. This is about whether we fulfill our sacred duty to the American citizens we serve. When I took the oath of office, I swore to protect our country. And that is what 
I will always do. So help me God. Thank you and good night. Okay. Did you like it? <clears throat> well, I, I, I didn't say it. Did I like it? Well, I agree that something needs to be done. Do okay. I like it? No, I don't like it. Do I you know, want to see a massive border? No. But do I want this chaos to continue? No. So, yeah, I guess, you know, in a backhanded way, I did like it. And I do believe that we need, need to do something. Is this wall the answer? You know, he's staking his entire presidency on it. And I appreciate that because he, obviously he really believes in it. So right. he's behind it 100%. This could be his political downfall or his political rise. I'd rather not spend $5.6 billion or whatever the billion is on the wall. But clearly something has to be done. Something. And something brutal. The line of the speech to me was rich politicians in Washington have walls around their homes and they don't build walls around their homes because they hate the people on the outside. They do it because they love the people on the inside. Yeah. Listen, that in in from where I sit, you know, I said before, he doesn't need to convince the people who voted for no, him. No, he doesn't. Okay, because they're already on his side. It's one of the main reasons why people voted for Trump in the first place. He's never going to convince the Trump haters, so it's not even a point. He's going for the people in the middle, and that is convincing to the people in the middle. When he said it was a crisis of the heart and a crisis of the soul. I think that gets to people. I think I do. it I got think, to me. Yep. You nod your head. Look, whenever, you know, it really wasn't so much a speech as it was a litany of facts and figures. And while he's doing this, I'm nodding my head and going, yep, yep, he's right. Yep, mm-hmm. he's right. Yep, he's right. Right. So something has to be done. And t- tomorrow, what he's going to make an appearance somewhere in the border. Right. Which is excellent. He should. Now, I don't believe that the Democrats are going to acquiesce to this. I, uh, so what are we going to do? Okay, so what did you think about what you think about Chuck and Nancy? That was a freak show. <laughs> it was. I mean, there's no way to put it. Now, the, it was it was the worst visual presentation of a political speech I think probably I've ever seen in my life. I would say so too. It was very <laughs> right for mocking. <laughs> it I mean, was dis- However, as soon as I turned it on, you know, I told you I was behind. So when I turned it on, their image popped up and I thought I was watching an SNL skit. Yeah. However, now the we talked about this a little earlier. The president's speaking um, prowess is not great. No, it's not. So he is he's generally bombast. You know, there's not a lot of variation. I don't think he's ever non. Right. There's not a lot of subtlety in, in the way the president presents himself. So when you saw that, you know, the, the shift in tone, uh, Pelosi and Schumer, they were, you know, this softer, kinder, gentler, compassionate, empathetic, you know, I'm two not, people that were stuck in a very narrow hallway. I'm telling you, it crowded like with American flags. I was waiting for Stanley Kubrick to show up and a stream of blood <laughs> to come flying down the hallway because it looked like the twins in The Shining. It did. It freaked me out. It was not. It was kind of like that. I can't, in our hyper-visual culture where everything is produced, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but there are professionals that make it their job to help people like us. I mean, John and I spend a lot of our time doing things on on air, but when we have to transition into TV, it's very hard. It's hard to transfer into a visual medium when it's not your medium. It's right. always hard for me. Right. And good. so I need somebody who's not on camera to look at what I'm doing and say, stop doing that with your hands. Why are you standing like that? What's your hair looks weird. I, you need somebody to do that to you. They have bajillions of dollars that they could spend on people who know what they're doing. Did they never ask no. anybody? I mean, these are like high-end professionals who know the visual medium. 
Anyway, we're, we're obsessing about the visuals of it all. What about the policy of it? Okay. What's happening Chuck, in Washington, Chuck D.C.? Chuck Schumer's winning line was that we want our the symbol of our country to be the Statue of Liberty, not a 40-foot wall. That was a a great line. That was a winner. Because when you look at that massive border and think about thousands of miles of a 30-foot high steel or concrete barrier, you think, ouch. But at the same time, you know, when the president was describing, you know, mothers and children trying to come across, that's heartbreaking. It is. You know, the the death, the misery that goes on there. But at the same time, you can't. I mean, people trying to escape those situations where they are, right? Where they they're stuck in poverty. They're going to die in poverty, and they come here. Look, uh, the fact of the matter is, we're almost at full employment right now. Right. Most Americans don't want to do the jobs that the immigrants would would be willing to do. And how many immigrants do you know? And I I'm, I know at least five who have come to this country. Some of them under less than ideal conditions, illegally. Illegally. But have made themselves legal and are rocking it are crushing it because their spirit of let's get to work and make things build a family you can't deny that and the one thing that i absolutely desperately wished i would have heard from him from the president is some talk about making legal immigration that's it better and easier i mean we had a, a guest in here telling us about what it was like he came here illegally it took him 20 years and Tens and of 20, thousands and of dollars. And 20000 dollars to get a green card. To, to end up being a US citizen. Now yeah. come on. Like we have to do a better job than that. So I wish th- I was very sad that that was missing. But um if you're looking at the Pelosi Schumer uh argument, to me and I it just I was not particularly persuaded. I mean, maybe the visual was too arresting and I kind of took me away from what the argument they were trying right, to make. Right, I get that. Um, I thought that Chuck Schumer, as I said, made a really good point with the image of he America. Did. But at the same time, I don't think, I don't know, to me, they weren't as convincing. They weren't as convincing. So, and I got to be honest, I, I don't have strong feelings about the wall. I really didn't until last night. I was persuaded. I can't believe I'm saying this, but wall. I was persuaded by the president. I was. How do you build that thing? And who's going to pay for that thing? I mean, clearly Mexico's well, again, not going to pay for it. It was very smart of them to bring up the fact that he said from the very beginning, Mexico well, will pay for the wall. That's what he said, and he's got to own that. Yeah. Apparently, there's a GoFundMe right now. Oh, my god! It's called Come We on. the People Will Fund the Wall. It's up to $19 million. It was created early December. It's yes. billions. We're talking yeah. billions of dollars. Still, there are Americans that are actually putting in a total of $19 million to build the wall. I mean, good grief. Is that a GoFundMe or is that a it's Kickstarter? A it's a GoFundMe. It's a GoFundMe. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I don't know. It was it was an entertaining night, uh, just if you want to kind of sit back and analyze things. When What's it com- a solution? When it comes to the real thing and getting the government started again. I mean, getting the, the one-third of the government started that's closed down. I sure hope we can get that done soon. That's right. But before the show started, President Trump stormed out of a meeting. He said Pelosi said no to the wall, and he said it was totally useless. Waste of time. We're taking a break. We're going to talk next about her prayers helped pull me out of a cult-fueled madness. Stick around for that. What happened? You used to go hours without visiting the bathroom. Now it seems like you're constantly getting up to go, and you're even getting up at night to go. This is not okay. Listen, the makers of Super Beta Prostate, the number one prostate formula, are introducing a new wonder pill, Super Beta Prostate P3 Advanced, with three key ingredients that are great for your prostate. It's like taking three prostate supplements in one. To celebrate, we're sending free bottles to men who want to cut down on bathroom trips. Yes, your first 30-day supply is free. 
pay shipping and handling. Call 1-800-257-5387. Early research suggests that an ingredient in P3 Advanced may help support a normal prostate size. Combine that with a reduction in bathroom trips, and you have a formula you'd be crazy not to try. Get P3 Advanced free. Call 1-800-257-5387. 1-800-257-5387. Imagine your business on the first page of a search engine like Google or at the top. What would that do for your bottom line? The answer is at Salem Surround, digital marketing that surrounds potential customers with your message wherever they engage, search, surf, socialize, or review. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Founded in 1794, Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus. Rooted in the Reformed tradition and in relationship with Christ followers from other traditions, Pittsburgh Theological Seminary forms and equips people for ministries familiar and yet to unfold, communities present and yet to be gathered. The seminary offers Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degrees, plus certificates. Financial assistance is available for full and half-time students who qualify. Learn more at pts.edu. Hundreds of ministries have discovered the success of a partnership with OnePlace.com, the largest online Christian broadcast platform on the web. Here's Greg Laurie. By partnering with OnePlace, we've been able to expand our online ministry in a way that complements our current web strategy for maximized outreach and impact. And Dr. David Jeremiah. Many of the new listeners we reach here each day through OnePlace are now faithful ministry supporters. Introduce your ministry to our audience. Visit us at OnePlaceRadio.com. To expose these malignant tumors of addiction, we must find the root causes of our disease. Join Terry Hanna for Christians with Secret Addictions. It's like taking a spiritual x-ray, MRI, or an ultrasound of our inner being. Using the pen as a surgical scalpel, we examine our behaviors, our repressed nature, to find the exact nature of our illness. This is how we come out of hiding. Christians with Secret Addictions, Sunday night at 645 on WORD. Americans are weird. We have this really sort of strange relationship with the devil. In some ways, you know, we laugh at him, right? We think, oh, it's cute, it's fun. We um, we can talk about it at the Golden Globes. Right, yeah, yeah. Hollywood celebrities mm-hmm. can, you know, bring the devil into conversations and mock him and all the, uh, you know, <clears throat> the crowd laughs along. But, but at the same time, I think a lot of people don't, don't want to acknowledge the truth of spiritual darkness, the power of Satan that walks among us, and the, 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 the deep despair that so many people are under because of Satan. Well, Heath Adamson is back with us. He's, Heath is chief of the staff for the relief organization Convoy of Hope, global chairman of the Next Gen Commission for the World Assemblies of God Fellowship. He wrote a, a book which is fabulous, and a piece of this was picked up by C.T., uh, Christianity Today called Her Prayers Help Pull Me Out of Occult-Fueled Madness. Here to talk to us about the occult and despair is Heath. Heath, welcome back, friend. How are you today? 
Uh, fantastic. Always great to be with you both. Thank you. Yeah, Heath, uh, we got so many good comments on your time with us in November, and it's just such a compelling story. We decided we wanted to have you back and talk about it again. And the idea of the occult, like John said, I think we either you know obsess over it or we treat it like it's like a, a, game. St- a stupid kindergarten game. Yes. Yes. And, and candidly, both extremes are unhealthy. Obsessing over it certainly uh, does not produce spiritual growth in our lives. We are to fix our eyes on one person only. His name is Jesus. That's what Scripture says. And at the same time, we know that if the evil one cannot uh, lure us or tempt us into a life of sin, uh, he's certainly interested in us becoming apathetic to the spiritual life. Mm. There is a reason why Jesus uh, taught extensively on the spiritual world. And, you know, to be fatch- uh, fascinated with angels and demons their existence equally as foolish. Yeah. So, uh, Heath, in your piece in CT, you talk about walking in the shadow through the valley of death at a very early age. I mean, tell that story. How can that be that someone in first grade is surrounded in spiritual darkness? Yes. You know, uh, Solomon is clear. Uh, the Scriptures tell us that... Um, Within the human heart, God has placed eternity. Each one of us have a longing. We have a longing for truth, and we know truth is not necessarily a religion. Truth is a person. But because of longing for God and longing for truth, uh, regardless of how old or how young we are, um, I believe that Scripture testifies we are on this quest, this journey, to know um, where we come from, why we are here, and are we indeed made in a divine image um, and patterned after God. Well, as a young child, the same rang true for me. Uh, I was introduced, however, not to Christ. I was not introduced to the gospel. Instead, I was introduced to uh, the occult and witchcraft and even some other things uh, by some uh, those who were closest to me. Unfortunately, they, uh, they were lost. They didn't know Christ, but their fascination with the occult opened up a door for me to be exposed to some things that, as a young child, took me down a road that uh, almost almost killed me. You said that eighth grade was a pivotal year for you. Tell us why. Yes, in eighth grade, after years of uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and a host of other things, again, that were a direct result of me uh, going from experimenting with to being completely steeped in occultic and witchcraft uh, practices. In eighth grade, um, I took a break from those things for two reasons. One, um, there was a marriage. My mom married who would become my stepdad, and the rule uh, was if they were going to get married, we needed to participate in some religious classes. Um, I could have met Jesus then. Uh, unfortunately, I did not. A uh, clear gospel presentation was not made to me. But the second thing that happened in eighth grade is the Holy Spirit whispered to a young eighth-grade girl, and that young eighth-grade girl and her mom began to pray. And I want to be clear, never underestimate how powerful uh, your voice um, being heard by the ears of God is in prayer. Prayer does not make a difference. Prayer makes the difference. And in eighth grade, a young eighth grade girl and her mom began to casually and then um, even more so committedly pray to God for me. Um, And the rest is history. That's when God really began to work on me. Fabulous. Okay, so then... Fast, fast forward just a, a couple of years later, you're tripping out of your mind. Uh, you go into yep. a physics class, and the guy who's your physics partner, you strike up a conversation with him, and that really put things in a different vein. It really did. You know, uh, we, we began to talk in physics class. I, I brought up God. I brought up religion. 
again, I did not know the gospel. I had no idea who Jesus was, but I always um, was drawn to to wonder, is the truth out there, and, and can I really know um, what the true uh, belief is? Um, one day he invited me to church. Believe it or not, I went. Uh, you know, sometimes we underestimate um, how significant uh, just being present is. Uh, one of the main ways that Jesus changed the world is he was simply present wherever he was. Uh, well, this Christian teenager in physics was present. He engaged me in conversation, invited me to church. And, uh, you know, God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I, I didn't wander into a polished church service where there was a dynamic television communicator and, a, and an amazing, uh, you know, music or worship team. Instead, I walked into one of the most dysfunctional, uh, crazy church services you can fathom. <laughs> really? Uh, but yet in the midst of all of that, um, I was exposed to uh, the one who loves us just the way we are. And because he loves us, he doesn't leave us that way. His name is Jesus. Hmm. So after that night, um, did something change for you? Uh, yes, absolutely. I was I was instantaneously uh, transformed in a few areas. Really? First and foremost, I came alive spiritually. After I confessed Christ as my Savior at the age of 17, uh, I was I was spiritually uh, made alive. You know, I love what Tim Keller says. Jesus did not come to turn bad people into good people. Mm-hmm. Instead, he came to make spiritually dead people come alive. Um, that's in line with what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesians. So I came alive in Christ. I was healed in my body. It's a story for a believing believer, but a lot of the side effects I experienced from such a dark life, it's almost as if when love stepped into my world, um, things and areas of my life that were dead were, were beginning to bloom and come alive. But I want to be clear, did everything become perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, Sometimes we come to faith in Christ and we hear this message that God loves us, He can forgive us, He can restore and renew, and He certainly can. And sometimes those things uh, happen instantaneously, like salvation. However, there were some other things I had to work through. There were some relationships I had to mend. I had to unlearn some things. Mm. I had to learn spiritual disciplines. I had to learn the power of saying no, and even more so, how profound a simple yes to Jesus can be. I had to learn how to communicate, how to solve problems, how to pray. I had to learn how to read the Bible. So there was an instantaneous transformation, and at the same time, I started a journey. And I'm still on that journey. I've never been the same, and I'm still growing in my relationship with God. Nice. Heath Adamson is with us, Chief of Staff for the relief organization Convoy of Hope and Global Chairman of the Next Gen Commission for the World Assemblies of God Fellowship. He's the author of Grace in the Valley, Awakening to God's Presence When He Feels Far Away. Heath, tell us that that morning after you said yes to God, you went out to your mailbox. I did, yeah. Um, so when I checked the mail the day after I met Jesus, there was a letter in the mail, and for those who are under the age of 30, uh, there uh, is something called mail, and your parents and <laughs> grandparents right. receive it. It's paper, and it's in a little metal or plastic box. Well, I checked the mail, and um, there was a letter in, in the mailbox written by that girl who at the time uh, began to pray for me in eighth grade. By this time, she was a 17-year-old junior in high school. And there were, uh, if memory serves me right, five pages written. Uh, with her own hand, and page after page, she began to answer the questions I asked her about God. What is interesting, I found out later, 
um, that she wrote that letter weeks before, and something in her heart just seemed to say, hey, hold on to this. One day walking through the mall, she just happened to mail it at just the right time, and it just happened to land in my mailbox um, the day after I met Christ. Um, I remember after I married her, her name is Allie, and after I married her, uh, reading in her prayer journals, uh, upper right-hand corner of the journal, 2.53 a.m., writing out a prayer, God, I pray that you will reveal yourself to Heath. I realized that I was the product of a young girl who in eighth grade dared to listen when God communicated to her in a, in a, in a voice that had no volume. Um, I'm the product of a mom who was present when an eighth grade girl came home and said, Mom, uh, this is what, what I'm sensing. Can we pray? I'm the product of a 17-year-old kid who simply invited me to church, and I'm the product of that same eighth grade girl who, by the, at the age of 17, after three and a half years of praying for me, um, when God resurrected me spiritually from the dead, if I could say it that way, and, and gave me spiritual life, I'm also the product of a young girl who understood that prayer, again, does not just make a difference. It makes the difference. We've been married 21 years. She's my best friend in the world. She's the most amazing person I know, and I can tell you this, uh, that for her, um, uh, we've seen God use her. We've seen God use the prayers of our kids. We've seen God use my prayers, that as a family, we are committed to partner with God in prayer, and we dare to believe that what God has promised us in Scripture can be a reality in our life, um, in, the, in, in, in our day-after-day-after-day behaviors, and a lot of it, honestly, is simply impacted by whether or not we pray. Heath, when you talk to your kids and you tell them this story, I mean, they, they have to look at you like, what, this is fiction, because you, clearly sure. you're not the guy that you were then. Um, what's that like for you as a father to see, you know, God's creation, your own children now on a completely, totally different path than you yourself were once on? Yes, you know, and and it, there's nothing more um, amazing uh, than watching our kids. Um, we we endeavor to leave a legacy in our family. Are we perfect? Of course not, but we are on the journey and we're trying, and we are committed. We are committed to not just stay married as, as husband and wife. We are committed to stay in love. We are committed to raise our kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. You know, a few weeks ago, I was talking to our youngest daughter. Her name is Dallin, and she, she said, You know, Dad, sometimes God pray, uh, answers the prayers that we should have prayed. And I just thought, Whoa, that really blew me out of the water. I realized, Okay, wait a second. My, our young girl, who now is 17, ironically, our 17-year-old girl has this glimpse of God that even at the age of 41, I don't have. God answers the prayers at times that we should have prayed. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. Well, we, we talk uh, with our girls about the things of God regularly. Uh, for us, uh, Jesus is not something we do on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Jesus is not a, a topic. Uh, Jesus is the air we breathe. He's everything to us. And um, and we were created for that. When God created everything, he spoke in Genesis chapter 1. But when God created humanity, he did not speak. Instead, he scooped up a mound of dirt and he breathed. And God saved his very breath for us. We were formed to be close to God. And so watching our kids continue on the journey with Christ, there's nothing better and um, it's my sincere prayer that for generations to come, we will continue to see that. Heath, that is such an encouragement. Your story is just 
Terrific. Thank God for what he did and is doing in your life. Heath Adamson, Chief of Staff of the Relief Organization Convoy of Hope and Global Chairman of the Next Gen Commission for the World Assemblies of God Fellowship. Thanks, Heath. Greatly appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Our pleasure. Hey, great story. Uh, more about Heath Adamson. Uh, we got that on our Facebook page at uh, John and Kathy's show as well. Stick around. We got a big fat chunk ahead. This is really cool. What's up next? The average person considers estate planning just for the wealthy. Attorney Michelle Conti, host of Conti's Law on estate planning for the everyday person. There's a lot that goes into it. People take more time picking out what car they're going to buy, where they're going to go to dinner, as opposed to what happens to my children. The state will dictate who gets what if you don't indicate who is to receive your stuff upon your passing. We want to make sure we plan appropriately so that they get the best of both worlds. They continue to receive the benefit and they get the inheritance. The other thing you have to think about is tax planning. We try to be proactive in the approach that we minimize any type of tax consequence when somebody dies, depending on the value of the estate. These taxes range anywhere from 45 to 40%. So we try to make sure that the beneficiary will receive as much as they legally are able to. Hear more on Conti's Law, Saturday morning at 9 on WORD. For immediate help, visit ContiLawPGH.com. If you're wondering how kids can be truly educated when God, Scripture, and prayer are removed from the classroom, well, wonder no more, because you have choices nearby, and you'll find them on the map at pittsburghchristianschools.net pittsburghchristianschools.net I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. Spending the time with that patient is very rewarding to me. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at stockfamilydentistry.com Folks, we must come out of hiding before we can recover and heal. Join Terry Hanna for Christians with Secret Addictions. How do we recognize the exact nature of our sins, our secrets, our embarrassing behaviors, our repressed nature must be brought to the forefront. We have to write it down to own it. We have to look at our mess before we can clean up our mess. Christians with Secret Addictions, Sunday night at 645 on WORD. My oldest son is a junior at Grove City College, and throughout his high school and up until this year, his academic career has been really strong. He really hasn't had to to falter. He hasn't faltered along that way. However, this year, and especially in one class, he had himself a heck of a time. So what I suggested and what he followed through with was to talk to his professor, and the professor, in his great kindness and generosity at Grove City, set aside at least four to five different sessions outside of class. My son said they lasted about 45 minutes each. And here's the cool thing. Before the sessions got underway, the two of them sat together, teacher and student, they prayed. Now, I love that. And I don't know where that comes from, you know, from another perspective. But at Grove City, truly, when they talk about Christ being in everything, I believe it. I've seen it. My son knows it. Christ is in everything. You know, and that's the thing. You know, at this point in the year, your semester's over, right? And you have done your thing. There's in a break here. Whatever, well, whatever your class is, right? You're, you're done, right? So now's the time when you are evaluating, how did I do? And next semester, how can I do a better job? Right. Right? I'll how, make the adjustment. How can I make the adjustment? But if you don't have someone who's outside of you, of you 
sit down with you and help you through that, then you're really left to your own devices and it's just self-analysis. And we know from each one of us that that's not always the best no. you know, judge of, of where you are. Having that outside voice, someone who's older, someone who's wiser, someone who believes in the same God you believe in to come alongside and say, I'm taking my own free time to help you with this. That's invaluable. It sure is. Look, that's the kind of thing that you can expect if you go or your kids go to Grove City College. You want more information about Grove City? Look now, gcc.edu. Windy and cold tonight with snow showers that leaving behind a coating to an inch of accumulation. The low 21 will stay brisk and cold tomorrow with clouds and a couple of flurries. High 27. Mostly cloudy, cold tomorrow night with a low of 20 degrees. And we'll continue to see more clouds than sunshine for Friday with a high of 32. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. We, um, we do these pre-show meetings generally in, in your office, in Kathy's office. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I like, I like my office. I like my office a lot. Um, it's small, but um, it's... It's got nice big windows, so whenever the, you know you look out the windows and you're looking out on a ball field here, green trees. Sometimes you'll see the kids come out for recess in the little elementary school as well. It's just nice. I mean, you get to see the big sweep of sky. I like I like it an awful lot. So because it is small, you have to sort of stay on top of things or not. I mean, it gets pretty cluttered pretty fast because they they are small offices. And of course, we get all these books and yeah, 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 stuff that just comes in nonstop. But generally, when I'm ever, ever, I'm in uh, your office, Kath, and we're sitting talking, I'm looking over your shoulder, and as I look over your shoulder, like my office, I see this gigantic pile of paper. Yeah, that's just how it Sorry is. Sorry about that. No, it's just you know. I keep my back to it, so it doesn't bother exactly. me. Exactly. I mean, that, when you when you're sitting I'm, talking I'm to me, I'm forcing you to look at you're it. You're looking at my giant stack of books. Right. So we both have our own thing. I'm really sorry. No, I don't worry. Well, today is. I want to make sure I read it correctly. National Clean Off Your Desk Day. Yeah. So I was not, you know, I didn't find out it was National Clean Off Your Desk Day until it was too late to clean off my desk. But I would like to tomorrow observe that day. To clean off your desk. Yeah. I feel like I have maybe a 24, 36-hour window when the, you know, to do such thing. And right. I, I think I'd like to. Now, I, I looked up information about this today mm. because I wanted to kind of... You could have been cleaning off your desk where you're looking well, You're right. I could have been, but I was trying to prepare for today's okay. show. Um, but I saw this article about what a cluttered desk may show about you. Okay. And of course, it always, you think it's going to show something bad. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. You don't think it? Cluttered? No, I don't think it is. All right. Well, let me tell you what a Bri- what a Brianna Crandall wrote about she? this. Uh, she's uh, she works in this field. <laughs> but, oh, wait. she works in the cluttered desk industry. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. Listen, she works in this field, and I'll tell <laughs> you exactly. Field. I'll tell you what That's the. the uh, sorry, I'm sorry. But the website is in a minute, John. Once I. Um, I mean, you said her name, so I thought, well, you know, we don't want to. I'm trying to give her credit for it, her, but. But it, it, I didn't actually put <laughs> in, in this, this thing that field. I printed out what the website is. Okay. Oh, it's a Chicago Tribune. Oh, there you oh, go. Oh, boy, I feel better about that. Oh, that, that. field. Whew. Okay. Having a cluttered desk, she writes, may not be perceived as a bad thing, a new survey from Office mm-hmm. Team suggests. More than two-thirds, that's 68% of HR managers interviewed, felt it is at least somewhat acceptable to have a messy desk at work. In fact, 9% even said 
it's the sign of a creative person. <laughs> okay, fine. It's good. However, the bad sign is nearly one-third, which is 32%, stated that they would question an employee's organizational skills and effectiveness should that person have an unkempt workspace. Mm-hmm. I don't mind a cluttered desk, you know, because I'll make an effort to clean it up at the, you know, the, at the beginning of the day. Right. You walk in, you put your laptop on. Right. You get your things and, you know, put your pens back in place. Right. Uh, you know, sift through yesterday's papers, all that. What I really don't like is uh, food on the desk. Oh, right. Right. I mean, at any time? Or you no, mean you don't like ha- to walk in when someone's eating? No, but if you're having lunch at your desk, that's fine. But then clean up the crumbs oh, yeah. or the tuna oh, fish yeah. or whatever, you know. Oh, who's someone's, not doing that? Someone's having sauerkraut in that's their office. I mean, you know, disgusting. Get things a little cleaner, that's all. All right. Here are seven desk organization mistakes. Okay. I'd like seven. I'd like to That's ask you. a lot of clutter you, already. I'd like to ask you if you commit any of these, okay, and okay. I would like to volunteer my yes for the ones that apply to me. Okay. Creating a pileup. Yeah. Re- yeah. Of yeah. paper. I, yeah, I got a pileup. Now you've already cited my pileup. I got a pileup right. Look at this. Now that you pointed to the pileup I have in my That's office. That's a big pileup. Listen, That's it's big. tall. Oh, it is. And you know what that is over there? Oh. That's stuff I want to keep. Oh, gee. That's a couple feet high. Why is that that Easily. high? Why? I, why would I want to keep all that? You, ne- you might need it someday. I don't think I'm going to need it. All right. Don't throw it away, though, you, unless you sift through it. Failing to contain yourself. What does that mean? Use pencil cups, drawer and file organizers, sure. and trays to keep items in their place. How do you feel like you do in that regard? Um, I got a nice pencil cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the file thing yeah. has generally always escaped me. Oh, has it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. It does. I mean, I got okay. a bunch of papers and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, on the other hand, yeah, I'm I big into filing. filing I'm thing. big yeah. enough, but it's not helping me with the pile. No. What I need to do is move things from the pile into to the, the file. file. Oh, that's good. That's yeah, a bumper sticker. Hoarding. No, no. Well, that's if you thing. haven't touched something in a year, it probably should not be on your desk, mm-hmm. she says. Keep supplies you access most often within reach. The rest of it should be out of sight. Mm-hmm. Out of sight, yeah. I mean, I got this stack of books. I mean, How, what are we supposed to do with I that? I don't know. I don't know. That's an I, occupational I, hazard. Some of those us. I really like and want to keep, but then so, I kind of go, I don't know. I don't. E- I don't either. There's so many. Not being tech savvy. What is that? Well, they're saying that the more digital you are, the more paperless you can become. Yeah, I don't think it that's... can help you reduce clutter and find information more quickly. I need to read a piece of paper. I'm not going to read. You know, I'm with you. No. I'm with you. When we prepare all of the things that we're going to talk not about on, no, no. for the for the show, I want you to know that there is a huge pile of articles that are all around Look at the, the studio here. Yeah. Nothing. I, I, I cannot read anything online while I'm on the air. Mike, could you come and take our photo of this and then we'll yeah, post it? Yeah, could you please? And we can post how much paper. I'm afraid to go in there. It's come like on. Work Listen. Hazard. What, are you going to get a paper cut? Okay. Come on in. Over-accessorizing, John. Like what? It's generally fine to show some personality with your workspace decorations, but leave your teddy bear collection and gigantic cat posters at home. I think we do pretty well, both of us in that area. Wait, you have a deer head. Well, that's because it was a gift from our boss. You have a deer head, right? It was a gift from our boss. Go back in that corner there, Mike. That's the angle that I'd like to have, please. Just uh, that shows. No, okay. okay. Over accessorize. Uh, my wife runs a framing business, so she's always giving me beautiful pieces of art. They're beautiful. That I have hanging. Yes. Right? Um, I mean, I don't feel like we don't have cat posters up. We don't have any like garbage like that. You don't <laughs> like my deer head? No, I like it. I, actually, I sort of covet it. You I can do. Ha- well, you can have it if can you want. I'll share. Uh, being crummy. 
That's what I was saying. Clear your desk of food wrappers, empty coffee cups, and dirty plates. Mm -hmm. Wipe off your work surface after eating. Now, you and I both do that. Please. I mean, we're not Philistines. (laughs) We are not Philistines. (laughs) Cleaning just once or twice a year is the last one. Spend a few minutes at the end of each day straight. Once or twice a year. Listen. Spend a few minutes at the end of each day straightening up your workspace so you can get a quick start in the morning and once or twice a year deep clean. Okay. Like get everything out, out of there. do your dusting, do your vacuuming. Right. I mean, I think we're I yep. feel pretty good about us in that regard. <laughs> New Mike just tripped on his own feet as good he was Mike. leaving the good studio. All right. So how do you grade us? Uh, I'd give us a solid B plus. I would. I think I might give you a B plus. Based on that pile of mine, I think I have to give myself a C minus. Look at my books. Yeah, but your books are your books. My pile of paper is just me not getting my stuff to the file cabinet. I feel badly about it. I need to be better. All right. On this national on this on this national clean off your desk day. Right. I feel like I've been implicated. Very nice. All right, we need to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to keep to the organizational perspective. Marie Kondo is a New York Times bestselling author. Mm-hmm. She's got a brand new show on Netflix about how organized you should really be. Yeah, we'll post some photos on Facebook of our clutter. She and- kind of freaks you out, doesn't she? Oh, I, that's not a enemy. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Bye, Mom. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, O negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. 101.5 WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. Does what you think affect how you live? Listen to Adrian Rogers. When you were born again, you were born to win. God did not save you for a defeated life. God's plan for you, precious friend, is victory. And he has a plan for you for victory in your thought life. Tune in to learn about how to change your thought life this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. See today's best faith-based and family-friendly movies all free of charge, January 25th through 27th. Word FM welcomes the Projecting Hope Film Festival to select area theaters. Presented by the Speakman Financial Group. Featuring the best faith-focused films of 2018, plus exclusive pre-release screenings for 2019, like Run the Race from executive producer Tim Tebow, and the highly anticipated Easter release breakthrough made possible by Geneva College. Visit ProjectingHopePGH.com for times and locations. Sponsored by Calusi Chevrolet, Grace Wellness Center, and J&D Waterproofing. Winter is a fantastic time to replace windows and doors. Energy Swing's Donnie Dara on the value of a winter installation. Whenever you get windows and doors in the wintertime, it is actually a very warm installation. We take one window out at a time, you immediately put the new one in, and then most of the time is taken by finishing around the inside and finishing around the outside. And it's the same concept with a door. And prices are typically the best in the winter months.
months. Typically, it's a slower season. A lot of suppliers have a lot of discounts. So what we're offering right now, we have an additional $50 off per window and $250 off per door. Plus, for the loyal Word FM listeners, when you get a new entry door, you get a free ring doorbell. The ring doorbell has really been a big thing, and we give them away free with every front entry door that we install. Right now, take an extra $50 off per window when you purchase six or more, and $250 off per entry door or patio door over and above any current offers for word listeners only at EnergySwingWindows.com. How do you celebrate faith, family, and fun? How about on eight wheels? Don't miss the next Word FM Skate Night at Neville Roller Drove, Monday, February 4th. Kenny Woods has the audience going in circles every first Monday of the month, playing your favorite CCM hits with prizes and giveaways 6.30 to 9 p.m. You could even win a free skate night for your family. Admission is $7. Skate rental, just three more. Details at SkateNRD.com. Word FM Skate Nights at Neville Roller Drove at SkateNRD.com. Okay, so speaking of clutter in your office space, there's also um, some woman, Marie Kondo. Right. I don't know this book. Oh, you don't? The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up is what it's called. And now it's a Netflix series. Yeah. It's a great book. I loved it. My dad got it for me maybe two years ago, three years ago. She's a professional organizer from Japan, and she wrote two books on that ended up at number one and two simultaneously on the New York Times bestseller list. That says a lot. How about that? Now Netflix has delivered her and her method, which is called KonMari, her method of decluttering and simplifying your life. Um with an eight-episode season of something called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. It started on January 1st. I haven't seen it. It's a reality show, which is patterned after the reality show she has in Japan. You saw a clip from it, John, and what did you think? Well, I don't know her. And, of course, I, like I said, I haven't read her books. But, you know, you see the trailer. It just kind of freaked me out a little bit. Why? Because I would not want Marie Kondo coming into my house. And, I'm Marie Kondo. Yeah, so it's like... It's it's just a little over, over the top for me. It's kind of it just kind of freaked me out. I didn't know Marie was here. Yeah, I I, I think my house is not that cluttered. So mm-hmm. I, not that I would invite her into my house right. anyway. But well, clearly she's well, like an well, interventionist, like Pawn Stars or um, American uh, pickers. pickers. Yeah, you know what she's doing is coming into people's homes who have lost the battle with stuff. Right, and they this are is an intervention. Instead of her buying things from them like American Pickers are doing or Pawn Stars, she's actually going in and helping them to get rid of it. Hmm. She, um, her style is a little odd. I mean, she's not she's not Western, and so her presentation style is different. Yes. But the thing I like about her, and the thing I liked about the book, is that she doesn't make you feel badly for being a mess. Like she's not trying to motivate you through guilt or through self-loathing. She's trying to ask the common question, comes back over and over again in her work, which is, does this item spark joy? Right. Which and if is, it doesn't, it's going. Get rid of it. That, I think that's a great question. It's going. I really, really like that. Yeah. Because how many people have closets and basements and sheds and full of just stuff? I mean, look at this, right. you know, the, the multi-billion dollar self-storage industry that's come up in the last couple of decades. Right. It's I mean, craziness. they're everywhere. It's absolutely craziness. Unless you're doing an actual project where you're, you know, you're putting in a new garage or a new kitchen or something. And so on a temporary basis, you need to do something with a bunch of stuff. If you're having that for a couple of decades. Or you're moving. Yeah, right. Whatever. Then it's, but, anyway, um, 
I think if I watched the show, it would be very satisfying for me. Okay, I think I'll watch it. Uh, but what you said is true. She's, you know, it's from a it's a Japanese perspective, so it'll take me a while to settle into the personality. That's yeah, all. and the, and and it should be good for us to kind of get out of our oh, yeah. cultural mindset sure. and recognize how something from another culture can really speak some truth into what we get screwed up here. Do you have that? Uh, what do they call? It? Do you have the feng shui in your house? Uh, the flow. I. I appreciate feng shui a lot. Yeah. There are a couple. There are a couple feng shui foundations that I utilize in every single room. Feng shui. Uh, it's what describe. Feng shui is like a, a flow of supposed energy. Yeah. That it, yes. It's just kind of. It's moves kind of through your space. No, it, that's not quite what it is. Well, I guess that is what it is. It's creating a room such that certain elements that you don't recognize as important are allowed to be. What? What does that mean? <laughs> it's allow like there are certain things that as humans we just that give us peace in a room. We can't name them. Oh, that we're unaware of. Right, we're right, not right, aware yeah. of them. Right. But if you do follow these principles, you'll find that you are more peaceful. Okay. Like I'll tell you, can I tell you the easiest sure, one? Sure, sure. The one that I utilize all the time is that when you put your bed in a particular space in your bedroom, mm. it should be away from the door. Away from the door. Away from the door. So that when you sit up in your bed, you can look at the door. Why? Because it's just a natural thing. We we feel safer and we feel more peaceful when we are able to see what's coming. No, see, I want to see uh, – my, my bedroom is situated so that when I sit up, I look out the window. Okay. I, that makes me feel – because I want to see you know the sky or the snow or whatnot. And right. it's right next to – but my bed is right next to the door. My bed is – Feng Shui would tell you that Reverse you would probably it. be more peaceful if your bedroom, if your bed was set up such that you could sit up and look out your door. Let me door. tell you, when I hit those that pillow at ten o'clock, you don't care. My pillow or not, I'm going to bed. All I'm right. sleeping. The heck that's with all. Feng Shui for yeah, you. That's exactly it. Hello, I'm Maria Kondo. <laughs> okay, Mario. I'm so happy she's back. She is. Yeah. Welcome to the house and she get just the keeps showing up. The Feng Shui and the clutter and all that. Love get her. that going. You may have to think hard about this. When was the last time you and your spouse went on a date? How about a date night where you had fun and made memories? It's been a while, hasn't it? Well, never fear, because the ultimate date night is near. For more than 20 years, marriage edutainers Jay and Laura LaFoon have been helping couples laugh together, sing together, and even dance cheek-to-cheek together while learning and growing closer together. The ultimate date night is a two-hour marriage experience where Jay and Laura LaFoon help couples reconnect. And whether you've been married one week or 75 years, you'll come away feeling closer to your spouse. In fact, 98% of people who attended the ultimate date night felt it added value to their marriage. We think the other 2% were in the bathroom when we took the survey. Don't miss your Ultimate Date Night coming soon. Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon Friday, February 1st at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. It's an important day in history. Today is? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's a national holiday? No, it's not really a national holiday, but talk about a day that changed life for all of us. I cannot get over it. This is, in this day, 
January 9th, 2007. Steve Jobs, Apple CEO, introduced the original iPhone. Mike, you have some audio for us? An iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator. An iPod, a phone. Are you getting it? These are not three separate devices. This is one device. Something that lives up to its hype. Did it not? When I first heard about this, I remember clearly thinking, what a stupid idea. Yeah. Who needs, I remember saying, who needs to take pictures on your phone? Don't you love it so much? I can't get over. I love my phone. How it has just revolutionized daily life. It truly has. I mean, for better or worse. And there's there's a strong argument for both sides. No doubt about that. But we, in 12 short years, I mean, it's been, it's an earthquake. It is. That really has rocked, not only the, it's rocked the world. It has. I mean, billions of people worldwide are walking around with this guy's invention in their back pocket, looking at this thing almost 24-7. It's caused great upheaval in a lot of positive ways, but also to this new generation, I think a lot of psychological damage as well. Do you remember the first time you saw an iPhone or something, you know, a smartphone or something in that? I remember getting my first phone, you know, when the phone was in the box and I was unpacked and I could not. I, I, it was like getting your first car. It was that measure of excitement. How, right. many, how many iPhones do you have? Do you own? Oh, even previous older versions. I think this is my fifth, fourth one. Fifth? I think so. I think it's my fourth one. There have been 18 models made. Wow. Really? Since 2007. We are but, so behind. Okay, but now, look, Apple's in trouble because, you know, the phone companies used to give you a phone out with your plan. Now, who's going to spend a 1000 bucks? Right, are you, right. When it's time to upgrade, are you going to spend a 1000 bucks in a phone? I don't think so. Not that I'm going to go back to a flip phone, which, you know, always kind of cute. You always look kind of people, people are using a flip phone. I remember watching Jack Bauer on 24, the very first, um, the very first year, yeah. and seeing... Who could possibly need a phone that they carried all the time? A production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.